Well, I learned something new about you. Oh, we just starting right now? No, yeah, oh. we just gonna have to, I'm gonna introduce you in okay. a second. But that's great. You have to send me, do you have like old old recordings of it? No. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you could find something somewhere yeah. on the internet, but I hope not. No, because this was like what I was telling you before, how you really have to keep in mind what you're saying as who you are today is going to be reflected mm. on who you are tomorrow. Yeah. Well, with that being said, welcome back to the Lalo Podcast. My name is Cortland and I'm so excited to be here. And first of all, I just want to start by saying thank you for listening to the first episode and all the kind words and you guys really were super awesome about it. And I'm glad to be back with another guest who I'm so excited to have because we finna have a time. We finna talk, we finna get into it. Today I have Mindy. Hi. <laughs> Mindy is an artist. She is. She's many You're things. Many things. She's a, creator. a hot, chaotic mess. <laughs> but like so together that you wouldn't even know it. Mindy is an artist. She's a creator, but she's also an astrology guru, Ooh. a spiritual guru. Mm. She gives us everything that we need. <laughs> she reads for us. She does all the things. And I'm so excited to have you here because I think you have a really good story to tell because you've lived, I feel like, a lot of lives at this point. Many. But yeah. I aspire to be like you in many ways. I do. Corlin, don't say things like I that. I do because you're also hilarious. Corlin, I need you to understand that the comedy yeah. comes from trauma. <laughs> okay? I'm a funny bitch because I done been through some shit. All right? Valid. Literally, I love a good trauma laugh. <laughs> and I think we're going to have some good ones. You were born in New York, right? Uh-huh. And you're Haitian. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sure am. Born in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. I know people are always like, oh, I couldn't even tell you from New York. And I'm like, yeah, because I TV raised me. TV did? Yeah, Seventh Heaven taught me how to speak. That's why I'm so eloquent. That is the whitest show <laughs> you could possibly... Seventh Heaven raised you? I, listen, I, I grew up watching my mom's story. So okay. General Hospital, all that shit. And then my grandma... She didn't speak a lick of English, but she had her, her favorite shows. Yeah. So we always watched the same shows. Seventh Heaven. Okay. She loved it because daddy was a pastor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Family Matters. Yeah. She would always find a way to watch that because she thought Steve Urkel was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. Uh, Nick and Knight, she would always watch I Love Lucy and um, Three's Company. You would never know that you grew up in a Haitian household. Listen... <laughs> We was having conversations about yeah. I Love Lucy and Creole, though. Like, I was so explaining crazy. to her what was going down yeah. in Creole, and it was it was a hoot. My granny was my best friend. Really? And I had I have an older sister. I have cousins, but they all hated me. So, yeah, I was a Why? snitch. I was a snitch. Oh, see. Okay, you want to know what's funny? Every cancer I know, <laughs> every, and I'm not trying to bring astrology into everything, but y'all, this is what we talk it's about. It's true, though. Every cancer I know, my brother is a cancer. Y'all have the same birthday, July 12th. Shout out to him. No. <laughs> No, I love, I love my brother, but he, y'all are like the funniest, coolest people, but he snitched on me all the time. Let me tell you, <laughs> I, I know the reason why I was a snitch and it wasn't that I liked seeing people get in trouble. It wasn't mm -hmm. that. It was, first off, my sister, she's older than me. We have very different personalities. Mm. She always was out in the street. She hung out outside. Like she was like a stoop kid. Like, mm. she, you know, she, she like knew everybody in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. I didn't like people. Never have. If she hung out in the house with me, we would have been dogs. We would have yeah, been cool. Yeah, yeah. But very opposite personalities. And she did shit early. Yeah. And I bonded more with my granny and with my mom mm. than I did with my sister. So for me, it was a loyalty thing. Mm. Like, you're not gonna play in my grandma's face like that. Yeah, I yeah. see you smoking weed, bitch. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't granny. disrespect the house. Don't play with her. Cause, Cause she came in the house and my granny was like, what's that smell? And you lied to her face. Don't play with my grandma. I was like, y'all are literally the same person because I started, <laughs> I'm gonna tell her myself. Go ahead. I was a wild child. 
See, at fourteen, from thirteen until probably sixteen, I was doing a lot. See, a lot. And my brother, I think he took enjoyment out of telling on me. Like, it would be like I'll never forget this one time. I, I tried to buy some weed. I ain't gonna lie. I was, <laughs> I was in the ninth grade, and I went and I found my friend. She lived around the corner from me. I'm walking to her house, go pick up the weed, walk back. He said, "What's in your hand?" I said, oh, shit, well, I'm finna be in trouble. Like, and he immediately went and told my mom. So I didn't do that stuff. <laughs> okay, okay, like, okay. Like, <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't, like, snitching on her, like, dry snitching yeah. like that. It was more so when my mom would, like, question me. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Like, if oh. you don't ask me, don't ask, don't tell. Okay. But if my mother, like, my granny be like, what's that smell? Yeah. Why she smell like that? It's weed. Oh, the way <laughs> like, I... And she was doing wild shit. Sorry, yeah. sis. Listen, we we not even cool like that. We kind of cool right yeah, now. Yeah. My bad, girl. But it's fine because everybody already knows she was a hot mess. She was out here like getting drunk, mm. like bringing dudes into the house. Like she was Wait, messing with this 24-year-old that lived in our building. Oh, she uh, she a Gemini. It's in June. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, she's not a Gemini. I'm a liar. She's a Cancer too, but she's a first day oh, Cancer. Gotcha, 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 she got Gemini yeah. tendencies. Mm. But it was stuff like that where my mom always told me, your sister is going to get killed. Mm. And I'd be like, I don't want her to end up dead. Okay, I need to talk to your sister. <laughs> <laughs> me and your sister need to have a conversation because, girl, what was we going through? <laughs> listen, people grow up real, real fast in the inner city. I'd be trying to tell people, like, when you grow up in the suburbs, your childhood, I'm, I, I'm jealous of people that I got to grow up really? in the suburbs. Yeah, because I was, like, accustomed to things way too early like mm. way too young and it, I tried my hardest to stay innocent and stay young yeah. I didn't start cussing until I was 17 like I didn't I didn't lose my virginity so I was it was like a month before my 18th birthday really I, I tried my best and it wasn't like I didn't have opportunities I was just like no you didn't want to do me. that yeah I'm okay yeah that's so interesting because I grew up in the suburbs fully white people like I I used to be one of those black girls that burnt her hair out Talk mm. just like this, like oh my god, like I just yeah, can't. the emo like bang yeah, at one yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, And we, you know, me and my friends, I smoked my first cigarette when I was twelve. I think the suburbs made me more rebellious because I wanted to be like I don't know if y'all ever saw that like New York Kids show. It was on Bravo back in like two thousand eight. I wanted to be like Wait, them. the movie Kids. No, it's called New York City Kids or something like that. Rich kids in New York City or oh, something. Nah, nah, yeah, nah. Came oh, on. I have cable, girl. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. there. Yeah, and I wanted like I wanted to be like Degrassi. You know, like I would watch I Degrassi. Did see Degrassi. Yes. Yeah, okay. and I I wanted to be like them. But I think the suburbs made what I did seem innocent until I went to a magnet school in Dallas, like mm-hmm. actual, like South Dallas. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know whoa. what? It's so funny because <laughs> we- I never did that before. We literally <laughs> lived opposite lives yeah. because I was surrounded by people who's, like I had a homegirl who mm-hmm. had her first abortion when we was in the sixth grade. Like, like I'm talking like everybody I knew was like in a gang, smoking, wow. like doing all kinds of crazy shit. And I was still like, I'm going to go home and play with my American Girl doll. If y'all want to come join me, I'll be here till 10. But wow. th- but nobody was ever like with that shit. Like I had my friends, of course, and people fucked with me, but they were just like, don't invite Mindy because she not going to go. Too in- yeah, yeah, yeah. So I you know what? We, we are going to, corporate talk here, table this conversation because <laughs> we're going to get back into it. Because one thing I want to start off with uh-huh. is the fact that you're an artist. Oh, yeah. I have listened to your music and I think you're the first person that I've heard in a long time that tells stories in... It's like a poetic way, but it has, I can can see the New York in you. Like I can hear the New York in you because it's, I think a lot of, I don't know if this is going to be received well, but I think a lot of artists today, the same cadence, the same sound, the Mm -hmm. same vibe. 
it's a generational thing. We're yeah. like in an era yeah. when it comes to music. Yeah. And I feel like every, you know, every few years we have an era and it just takes one person to yeah. kind of like shift that mm-hmm. and then you jump into another one. Yeah. And I think that we're coming out of a specific like sound mm-hmm. and we don't really know where we're going yet. It's going more like in a pop direction. It is. Yeah. But we still don't know like what the girl's sound is. Mm. It's gonna get figured out in the next couple years. So when did you just like when did music become a part of your life and how did you get started in making music? You know, I am one of those people where I always know what I wanna do Mm. and I always do what I wanna do even if it don't make sense. So I knew I wanted to do music when I was like five, right? Really? Because my older sister and my cousin, they Mm -hmm. were they're both older than me and they wanted to start a group. So we did. We were called the Money Girls. Nice. Okay. Okay. Ain't never really made it out the hood, but we was trying to make it out the hood. <laughs> yeah. And I was the rapper of the group. Mm. And um, we had one song, Money Girls, Money Girls, Money. Very 90s. Yeah. Money Girls, like Money Girls, Money. Yeah, okay. it was a whole thing. I love that. And I've literally been making music since then. Really? I made, in high school, I was in a group with my friend Kelly. We were called mm. AK-47. That is a fantastic group name you for know, women. Yeah, we, we had a song called Dippin' Dot on that hoe. Wait. Yeah, I was in I was in the South. I was in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. so it was, oh, it was, so you moved to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. When I was in high school, my mom moved us to um to the South because our block got very hot. Yeah. And I, like a couple windows in our apartment got uh, shot out because we were living in a first floor apartment. Wow. And that was like her last straw. So she was like, "We getting the fuck out of here." Wow. We're mm-hmm. in in New York. What Flatbush? Or, Flatbush. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you had. Dipping dot Dippin on, on the, the hoe. hoe. Uh-huh. Okay. But <laughs> and then after that, I started um songwriting and then I met my ex uh-huh. and he actually is a producer. And when we were together, we were together for years. That nigga crazy as fuck. <laughs> um when we were together during that time, he told me I be at the studio all day. I'm not trying to come home and hear my bitch beatboxing. Cut that <gasps> shit out. And I did. Okay, I feel like, first of all. <laughs> Whoever this man is, girl, trust me, disrespectful. <laughs> Listen, first of all, secondly, I feel like I same situation. I dated you know, a guy that owned a studio, and he had some great people coming through there. He had like Post Malone, the other guy's in prison now, but yes, um, Post Malone. He had like a bunch of great artists come in, and I met him through recording there. But I didn't record or write music for two years while I was with him because uh-huh. he had that same sentiment of like. You're here to help me. You don't need to be making music. Very selfish. Very yeah. like, and the thing is, I was very young. When I met him, I was 17. Mm. So like, this, this was, took up took up most of my early 20s. Yeah. And during that time, I was out here playing wife. Yes. And I, I was thinking like big picture, like, it's okay. He's making a future for us. And honestly, so <laughs> stupid. And to all the girls out there. Don't do don't it. Don't do that shit. Don't it's not do worth it. it. It ain't worth it. They don't, like, because you find yourself... You look up one day and you're like, whoa. You lose yourself completely. You lose yourself completely. Like, it, it yeah. And then I, I, I always wonder, like, ask myself, like, if I could get those two years of my life back, what would my music sound like? Or where would I be? Or, like, how could I have impacted? You know, my, yeah. I think about that a lot. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that you should focus on that because I fully believe in divine timing. Mm. And I know for a fact that if it was supposed to happen for me at that point, it was going to happen for me at that point. Yeah. And the fact that it didn't just shows me that I was not, I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. You know, like even though I had been writing music and I, I can like go back to like all of my books and like mm-hmm. notebooks, or whatever. I like, when I went to go visit my mom not too long ago for her birthday and 
I found like my old folders yeah. and like books and stuff. And it's like cute shit, mm-hmm. but it's nothing that's gonna get you a Grammy, sis. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. like sweet. back then, what I thought was really good, yeah, it was it was mid. You know, so you and so you need the growth exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like throughout all the years of me, you know, wanting to do this and like chasing the dream, or whatever. I was never really prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And I think that right now I'm in a different space. Yeah. And like the music sounds different and the dr- direction I want to go to go towards is very different. Yeah. And I don't think that I knew who I was for a really long time. And now I know who I am. That's valid. You know? And do you feel like at this point now, you is it is it always about the story to tell or like having the confidence and especially like living here, understanding what is required? at this point to become an artist. Some things are about luck and Mm -hmm. I'm a huge believer in favor and blessings and luck. You can work as hard as you want, but certain people are put into certain positions because life just has that for them. Mm -hmm. But I also understand that there's something kind of required from artists and from people in order to make it. And everybody doesn't have that, like that grit and that it's an it factor thing. Yeah. And the it factor really is a real thing. Mm And I know that like, and I'm not, I'm going to take myself out the conversation yeah. because of course I think I got it, <laughs> but you know, that's, Absolutely. that's a personal thing. Yeah. I think that there are a lot of talented people who are not comfortable in the limelight exactly. and it shows, yeah. you know, and you, even if they put themselves in it, the discomfort is evident yeah. and people are not magnetized yeah. towards that, you know, because it, it's not giving authentic. It's yeah. not giving like, you know, I want to be that or yeah. I want to be around that. So it really is about the person and also the timing. Yeah. Sometimes you're the right person at the wrong time. Yeah. yeah. You know, do you also feel like there comes, cause in my, from my perspective, like I've, written music I've been like written since I was six years old like I've that's all I ever did but I always knew in the back of my head I never wanted to be an artist I I knew for a fact I did not have the the drive that was required I knew I did not have I did not want to go through the industry and what is required of it no no I I love writing music Mm -hmm. and I've I would love to be a songwriter but for me music is it's a spiritual experience rather than like something that I have to, if, if I don't do it for a career, Mm -hmm. I'm fine just doing it for myself. I love that. I don't know if, do you think that sometimes, are you afraid that the love for it can be lost in pursuing it professionally? I mean, yeah, because it has been like multiple times. I feel like it happens kind of like in cycles, Mm -hmm. you know, like I've been, doing this since I was a kid. Yeah. Like I've literally told you about two different groups that I've been yeah. in like since my childhood. Like I've done it all in like different, you know, realms. But I will say that I've gotten through points I've gone through points in my life where I've been like depressed or like down. Mm. And I just don't have the energy to do that. Right. You know? It's just not if you are in a really like depressed state of mind, at least for me, mm-hmm. I do not find I don't want to do things that usually bring me joy that I now can't have that in you know like it makes me sadder trying to write when I'm sad and I can't do it Mm. because then I'm like did I lose it like is it you know is it gone forever I'd rather just let that shit sit focus on something else so as like a creative person do you feel like there's a certain do you have like a mood a setting that you have to do or where do you find inspiration I like being by myself I don't know how people I've been in a few like writing sessions it's so distracting I don't understand how people can be in a room with 12 other people yeah and y'all y'all are all writing to the same beat like I can't do that yeah I don't even like being in the room with the engineer yeah you know like or the producer send it to me Mm. or give me my headphones 
I'll go in another room, yeah. I'll do my thing, and then I'll come out. But have I, you ever thought about learning how to kind of? Run I've done it. To, yeah. No, I've done it before. Like yeah. it's just not the uh, the ideal situation for Absolutely. me. You know, like yeah. it's not impossible. I just don't like it. I, I feel you. Like you sometimes know? it's about. Look, I just need to write and get this out of me and not have to worry about the gits and gadgets and the, the mm -hmm. things. And everybody has their own process, which is why I'm curious, because you've been doing it for so long. And I'm always like when somebody tells me they're an artist, the first thing that pops in my mind is not what does your music sound like? What is it giving? It's how do you create things? I'm, I'm very interested in like people's mind and creating. I like I romanticize my entire life. Mm. So I'm really big on like ceremony. So I do the same thing every single time light the same lights, mm -hmm. I'll make myself some tea, mm -hmm. I'll put some incense on, like I'll have like a whole thing going. I get comfortable, I sit in the same chair, yeah. in the same spot, like I just, I have like a whole thing. Mm. I can't just be like, oh man, I'm on the bus yeah. and I got the beat playing in my headphones and let me write something. Yeah. I'm not that person. And I pace a lot. You pace a lot. Mm -hmm. I walk back and forth. Mm. I'm a pacer. I do that no matter what's going on. If I'm stressed about anything yeah. or if I'm like hyper-focused, mm. I got to walk around. What's funny is, um, <laughs> I always say that like when you write music or when you do, like when you create anything, it could be something very small. It feels like an outer body experience. Like sometimes like when I'm done, I'll snap out of it. I felt like... Did I just do shrooms? Like, where was I? Where? So, but it's kind of a depressing feeling for me because when I come out of it, I'm like, dang, I got to get back in that mode and kind of chase that high of being separate mm -hmm. from myself that sometimes I don't want to visit it. It feels overwhelming. It feels like it requires too much energy from me. And I know myself enough that I'm not consistent enough to continue to have that go. So how do you keep yourself consistent on being creative? You can't apply that much pressure on yourself to yeah. always have to be in that space. Because mm. sometimes you just got to write just to write and it's not going to be good every single time you do it. Yeah. And you got to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. But you also have to understand that you having that moment is proof it can happen again. Mm -hmm. It happened for you then, it'll happen again. I, fu I fully understand what you mean about like, out-of-body experience and I, sometimes I feel like it's like receiving downloads and mm. in my mind I'm like damn my ancestors my ancestors they some bad bitches because these lines Period. came from them not, not me yeah, okay that, that pussy talk that's my granny <laughs> <laughs> she did that but yeah but it's just you know you kind of have to allow those things to run through you mm -hmm. and don't I think people do that with multiple things in life yeah. where you try to hold on to moments and you can't hold on to a moment it's here and it's gone and you just have to accept it for what it is yeah. and enjoy life mm -hmm. because it's all it is it's a bunch of moments that come and go this is a great moment yeah. I'm not going to be able to recreate this tomorrow and I might have a different one next exactly. time exactly you you're going to do this again yeah. with, with another person mm -hmm. and it's not going to be exactly like this yeah. but it's going to be a different experience where you, you can have yeah. similar feelings but it won't be the same thing can I tell you right now the first episode I felt very right now I feel peaceful Praise God. This is so nice. Love but that. But we finna get into the tea. Because you are a single woman. I am a single woman. But the first question I want to ask, this is tied to music. How do you balance prioritizing your craft, but also prioritizing relationships? Because sometimes mm. I feel like that it's there's a give and take in making sure that you have time for yourself and what you believe in and what you dream, but also having room to not cut yourself off from experiencing love and people. It doesn't just have to be romantic. I am yeah. talking about romantic, but platonically, sometimes it's like, man, I don't got time for y'all. How, how do you make that? I don't know. And I'm not going to lie. Mm. I don't think I've ever been consistent with my music in a relationship. Never works. Ever. I'm Never. telling you. Like, <laughs> I, I know for a fact wow. that every single time I've been in a relationship, like, I might still 
you know, show up mm -hmm. and like work on one thing here and there, but it's not the way it is. When when I'm heartbroken, yeah. oh, I am locked the fuck in. And it does and it I know I, it's like that because it makes me feel better, yeah. you know? When I'm happy, I'll still work on things, mm -hmm. but I'm more focused on like, all right, I got to get to this bag. I got to yeah. I got to do this. I want to be outside with my friends, whatever. Mm -hmm. But like when I'm in love, I'm up under whoever You're that man it. is. Yeah. And that's why I feel God won't let me find my man until I make it. I know, I swear. I don't mean to laugh no, because no, 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 that's no. valid, but, but it's like, no. I, I genuinely, love. I fully believe it. Put this, listen, mark my words. Y'all see, look in, this, look in my eyes. I promise you, the day I quote unquote make it, I'm going to have a nigga right afterwards. I promise you. Ooh. It, I, I just know what I feel in my spirit mm. because I know that I can't get to that point with one. And I know I'm ready for one. Let me ask you, what does make it feel like to you? Because I think it looks different. It does look different. I think for me, make it is just when you get to a point where you're no longer striving to be acknowledged. Mm. When you're just maintaining, to me, that's making it. So it's not financial. It's not necessarily, but it's to just say, this is what I put out into the world and I want to know that somebody is listening. Yes and no? Yes and no. Okay. Because again, it is, it's not, it's not solely based on like the validation. Yeah. It's more so about, okay, well, I've put things out that I'm proud of. Mm -hmm. You know, like I yeah. could go and press play on any of the songs on my Spotify and not cringe when you mm. listen to it because I'm proud of everything. Mm. I could pull up a video and be proud for you to like for you yeah. to see it. I know that when people are discussing my music, even if there's a couple haters in the room, overall, yeah, people are fucking with it. To me, mm. that's like, okay. I've done something. I have a question. Y'all don't know that Devontae's in here, but he's here. Hey, Devontae. <laughs> I need my phone. Because <laughs> I wrote some questions down that I want to get into. <laughs> hey, Thank friend. you, my friend. <laughs> Look at the muscles. <laughs> so fine. Okay. So I want to talk more about kind of being single, but like also. Dating like in LA is really shit, though. You know, yeah. I feel like dating in any major city is pretty shit. I lived in New York for a year mm -hmm. and moved back earlier this year. And even out there, it's it still so shit, but it's a different kind of shit. Mm. In New York, you will find men who will um, pretend like they want to be your man, you know? And they probably will give you a title, but they'll be fucking everybody else too. Mm. Out here, they don't, they're not going to front and act like they want a commitment, mm. you know? They, just they don't want you that. That's this is what I got. Up. This is where I'm at. This is what I can mm -hmm. provide for Plus, you. Plus, I feel like I don't get as much appreciation out here than I do in New York. Like in New York, I'm I'm a solid 10.5 in New York. I promise you, I go anywhere, people will compliment me, men yeah. will walk up to me and be like, hey, I just wanna, you know, talk to you, whatever. Out here, hard pressed. I'll get I'll I'll get asked out once every two months, maybe. And I'm talking, but what is your like, own in, in California? But you know why? It's because California got a certain type of woman. I was about to like. say. I was about to say it has nothing to do with how attractive I am. Yeah. It has everything to do with the fact that I'm a dark-skinned black woman. It's like you go to Texas. Oh, I, appreciation because they, they love, love it. <laughs> the, they like the a lady South, with. They, they love me. They like a lady with a little bit of something. In they, you know what I'm you saying? Know? Like a little meat, a little something. But um, I could, I, I understand. That. Out here, it's just, it's very different. And the thing is, it's not that they're not attracted mm -hmm. because I'll catch you looking. Y'all not gonna say nothing though. Ooh. You know, because I'm not what they're looking for, mm. and it's okay. Mm. That's all right. We were talking about my old podcast. Yeah, me and my um, my best friend, we had a podcast, and she is a beautiful um, mixed woman. Okay. Yeah. We once, we had the podcast and I was complaining about dating, and like bless her heart, she understands that it's harder. 
to be a dark-skinned black woman, but she doesn't understand what that means. Mm. So for her, we're both on the dating apps, and she's like, man, it's hard. You know, everybody's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me, too. And I'm like, nah, girl, you don't get it. Mm. So I was like, let's try something. Mm. So we spent a day, and literally both of us only matched with the same niggas. We only swiped right on the same men, just so we could see how they interacted with the both of us respect respectively. Did right? it hurt your feelings? Oh, bitch, I was, I was hurt. <laughs> I was hurt for I mean, months. Like, yeah. I was hurt for months because we sat next to each other. We were doing this, mm -hmm. and we were sending out the same like responses mm -hmm. and just like saying the same things to these men and the way they were approaching me versus the way they were approaching her mm. there were certain conversations where she legit was like Mitty blocked them we not continue with this really yeah because like they one one man in particular he hit her on some like you're just so beautiful mm -hmm. like let me take you out when are you free would love right. to take you to dinner do hit me in the same breath yo I got a hotel downtown and now you want to pull up disrespectful and I was like no what about a date and he was like lol disrespectful <laughs> y'all are trifling yeah, listen because let me tell you something and I, uh, you know what i'm not okay <laughs> but the thing is i will say this like even though it did hurt my feelings it really did it opened your eyes up because i'm you can never hurt my feelings if i don't give a fuck about exactly you, you know exactly. only only people that can hurt my feelings are people that i care about yeah so like I, my ego was bruised yeah but I had to remind myself, it has nothing to do with your self-worth. I mean, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't reflect who you are as a person. All it does is reflect who these people yeah. are. You know, yeah. There were certain people that that we were both looking for. Like She found him, one guy who's fine as hell. And I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, I got to find him. Keep swiping. Yeah. Could not find him, right? She sent me his page because on Hinge, you could do that. You could send mm -hmm. people uh, people's like profiles, or at least you could back then. And I couldn't open it up. Come to find out, he only had it set to... Um, he had it set to every race but black. And because she's mixed, You're she had lying. she had a white and black, the, it popped up for him. So if you were not mixed or non-black, he didn't want to see you. What is y'all's beef with <laughs> black women? No idea. What is the beef with black women? I like wish it I is, knew. you know, especially because I I will say most of my friends are black, but most of them are also mixed. Mm -hmm. So I will say 90% of my friends are black and white women. Mm -hmm. And I could always feel I'm not light skinned, so don't ever say that. Girl, you but, you on the girl, you on the edge. Don't do that. I'm 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 I'm, I'm, I'm teetering. <laughs> so, but with them, I could always see the clear difference of like, mm -hmm. oh, I mean, I don't really care for men anyway, but you can always feel the energy shift. That's the thing. When for me, this is what bothers me about men, period. Mm -hmm. Men really base their level of respect for you off of how attractive they are to you. Mm. And that bothers me because I could see an ugly motherfucker right now <laughs> and I will still say good afternoon, good evening, yeah. good night. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and yeah. be rude to you yeah. or treat you like you're less than because yeah. I'm not sexually attracted to you or you're not, you don't look like someone I would want mm -hmm. to date or fuck. You or know? give them the opportunity to show. I saw a TikTok. That's my first sentence of every sentence that I start <laughs> is I saw a TikTok where this guy said that men date women from zero and women date men from a hundred. So you have a man that's going to see a woman and it's like, oh, maybe it's 20 or 40 or 30%, but it's like, oh, she's attractive. She's pretty great. But the expectation of who they're going to be is not there. Whereas women see a man and they start conversating with them mm -hmm. for a little bit. And they're like, oh, this is the bar. And then men slowly become here because mm -hmm. you start to figure out who a person really is as opposed to a man that's like, I need you to show me who you're going to be. But if the attraction starts off at zero because they don't have the certain skin tone, look a certain way, it's like... You got to put in all this work for them to deem for, you valuable. Exactly. 
you know, it's just, it's crazy to me that we're still dealing with these issues after we've had, how many podcasts are in this world? How so many conversations many. have you had at your big age that you still have this mindset? Like I was this year talking to a man, you are 34 years old. Mm -hmm. And his version of a compliment to me is, you know, one thing about me, if I ever talk to a black girl, she always going to be fine as hell. That's a compliment to me? Are you kidding me? The you you are black. You are a full-blown mm, Negro. Mm, are you mm, kidding? Mm. I don't like that. Especially one thing I experienced a lot growing up was, and this is, I think, a, a I don't want to say a privileged thing to experience, but it is something that bothered me and it was upsetting to me, but I don't know if it was disrespect. Like, you know, everybody has their experiences, but I would get told, you know, you're pretty for a black woman, but also that I can't be black fully black like oh like you gotta be mixed with something mm -hmm. like that invalidates my how pretty i am because my dad or my mom has to be black or white or mixed with yeah. something it's like my last name is washington what are you talking yeah. about that is the niggerishest straight, name listen, straight off the plant straight off the plantation, plantation bitch. Okay. we we was on the boat and uh you should you know next time somebody asks you that say master <laughs> What Massa. you mix with? Massa. Massa. <laughs> okay. What are you mixed with? But it's like, man, like I can't allow my, you know, I don't, we don't have to be that in order to be beautiful, but it was something that has always stuck with me or like, oh, like your skin tone, your hair, whatever, it looks this way. And that was the only beautiful thing about me growing up, but not just myself. Mm -hmm. And so I understand that like when you try to date someone or try to meet people, it's like, why does this have to be? A stereotype or 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 I mean, but you know what? I will say this. I recognize the roots to most issues. Cause I, I really try my hardest to look at everything from everybody's perspective. Mm -hmm. Because I don't want to sit here and be upset with someone or like really like eviscerate someone, like, you know, going in on them or whatever. And I know that you're not even in control mm -hmm. of your thoughts mm -hmm. because you've been indoctrinated by, you know, so many different things in this world. And I know that as black people, there's so much self-hate. I have mm. I've experienced the most like colorism mm. from other black people mm. than I have from anybody else. Mm. Like, you know? Yeah. Some I, I have one auntie my whole life. To this day, if she if I walked into her apartment today, mm -hmm. she would say the same thing. She would always tell me, "You are the ugliest baby I've ever seen in my motherfucking life." What? She would, she would be like, she, "Oh, she needs her ass." She would, beat. she would be like, "She'd be like, Mindy, oh you was the ugliest God. baby I've ever seen in my life." She was like, "Why would you she turn, say that?" Because I turned real fast. Like I came out. Everybody, you know, every every baby's born light skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was light skin for a whole thirty minutes, and then I was chocolate. <laughs> and so they put you in the. <laughs> listen, no, she literally they put you under the light. She said, mm, no, "She's turned." No, she came into the hospital and like. My wow. granny was like, showed her which one I was because it mm -hmm. was like at, the, at this hospital, they had all the babies in the yeah. incubators or whatever. And so she said she pointed me out and she was like, no, ain't really? no way. Like, and she would always tell me, she, she would always tell me, I can't believe your mother is a beautiful woman. I cannot believe that you came out of her. But look at you now. Yeah. It all turned out. Mm. You know what's crazy is my mom. I love you, mom, so much. You're my best friend in the whole entire world. Like, literally, I love you with everything in me. And I'm going to call you as soon as we're done with this. But the first thing my mom asked the doctor when I came out was, is she beautiful? And he said, shut up. You know this baby is pretty. Don't be vain. And it's crazy, though. And I don't think that was in, in terms of hatred of our... But it, it, it is crazy that that is the first thing that we are concerned with. So I will say this because my mom is the same way mm -hmm. with me. And I, I had to come to terms with the fact that like, 
I know she doesn't mean it this way, Mm -hmm. but a lot of the value that she places in her pride in me Mm. comes from my looks, Mm. right? So she doesn't really understand what I do for a living. Mm -hmm. So she can't be proud about that because I'm not a doctor or or an engineer or a nurse, whatever. So she doesn't brag about that. I'm not married. I don't got kids. She ain't got nothing Mm. to brag about when it comes to that. So typically she'll literally like, I'll send her a picture or whatever. And that'll be what brings her pride. And she'll show everybody, look at my daughter. Look how, look how beautiful she is. Look at this. Look at that. When I come into town, she wants to take me out to show me off Mm. because that's the only thing that she really feels like she has to be proud of when it comes to me. But I understand that back in the day when she was growing up, Mm -hmm. my mom is old. Okay. Mm. My parents, I was an accident. My parents old as hell. (laughs) When they were growing up as a black woman, Mm -hmm. your value was in your looks because that determined whether you got out shitty Mm. circumstances or not. Mm. That determined whether you got to marry up or not. Mm. My mom was lucky enough. She married up. She married a doctor, Mm. you know? That didn't happen to a lot of girls that grew up in her village, yeah. you know? So when she when she was blessed enough to have a daughter that was beautiful as hell, yeah. look at me, okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> that is, that's what she like put on a pedestal. And so when I was younger, I was still really cute, mm-hmm. but I was fat. And me my, too! And my mom, my mom. I was a fat bitch listen. as a kid. And I still tell my mama to this day, why did you allow me to eat all them rolls? Oh, first of all, <laughs> it, was, it was the opposite for me. It was the really? opposite for me. My mom. I, my mother had me eating salad when my sister and my cousins had pizza. She put me in fat oh camp. God. I'm the only I'm the only black person I've ever met in my life who went to fat camp. I went to fat camp for two Maybe. years in a row. Okay, my mother was not playing. She hated the fact that I was fat, and she would say it out loud. Literally, I would take two bites of a sandwich, and she'd be like, "Enough." My Are grandma, you swear to God, my grandma used to sneak me food. That was my dog. I love really? my granny to death. She used to literally sneak me food. Like she would literally like grab a handful of Cheez-Its, put it in her mumu pocket, and then bring them to me. And she said, here, I know that you <laughs> want these like, so cookies bad. And shit. She made me a little sandwich. Like if she was frying chicken or like making food, mm-hmm. she would literally grab like a chicken leg and like give it to me because she knew when we sat down to eat, my mom would only let me have one piece. Oh? Yeah. Okay. I God. I was okay. fat as hell. I, I was a fat. <laughs> Kid, okay? I grew up in Monticello, Arkansas, babes. Like, we ate gizzards, pig feet. (laughs) You was eating good. Turkey necks. We was eating good. And all you have to do out there, like, the, I think the population hasn't grown since, like, 1963. Like, the average family median in Monticello, Arkansas is 22,000, a family of four. So there's nothing to do but fry fish and grill ribs. And I have a lot of food allergies, right? So my mom knew I was a big kid, you know? They they did the whole like diabetes test in front of all the kids in school oh, and like God. all that stuff. So embarrassing. So embarrassing. But I didn't have that same experience. I had the experience of my mom allowed me to have whatever I wanted. She did have she only kept like all natural peanut butter, gluten-free bread, like she was very healthy. That gluten-free don't mean nothing if you're eating six slices. <laughs> if you're eating six slices. <laughs> okay. I would I say I want one sandwich, but can we turn it into two, three, or Listen, four? And and I have always been a person, I eat my feelings. Yeah. And I have a lot of feelings. I'm I'm about to say that. But also another thing I experienced was my family would always, my family are very, we're all athletic. So like I played basketball my whole life. My cousins ran track, like Mm -hmm. all of that. If I were to lose weight, the comment was like, wow, you look incredible. So I was always conscious of like when I turned about 13, my weight fell off. When I was up until I was like, um, I gained weight again when I was like maybe 21, Mm -hmm. 22. And then it fell off again. Now, 
<laughs> no, but the, but the thing is, we're we back. But we're women. That is literally, it's, yeah. like, I think we punish ourselves so much for yeah. things that are just natural. Yeah. Like, you gain weight when your body's like, bitch, it's time for a baby. Like, you know, <laughs> like it, it's just certain yeah. things. Like, and some sometimes it is genetic. Yeah. Like, my mother, she's always been a small person. Exactly. My sister, she has always been a small person. She takes that from my mom. Yeah. My granny... 5'10", big bitch. I got it from oh, her. I got oh. it from her. And I think that's why she was like my dog. I got like, it from you know, my dad's family. She, like, yeah. she understood. Like, we, I'm, the t- I'm, I'm taller than both my parents. Mm. But the weight just no because Because they're both very small people. Yeah. I literally get it from my grandma. Mm. And it just skipped that generation. So my mom, you know, she's like one plus one is equal to yeah. five. And I don't understand how. Yeah. Why is you so big? Why? <laughs> literally, she, she looked why at me like, put the chips what down? the hell? Why is you so big? Yeah. And then she blamed it on me being, you know, inside the house all the time. Mm. You should go outside with but your sister. But that's crazy because I used to play, play, like I said, play basketball from the time I was five years old until mm-hmm. I was 17. Like I always was active, but I think it's just our body. Like I'm not that kind of girl that if I get depressed, I lose weight. Earlier this year, went through the one of the worst depressions I've ever experienced in my life. Mm-hmm. And people can see me now and be like, you know, I think I, I've probably gained probably about 32 pounds since I moved. Oh shit. Since I moved here. Mm-hmm. And People could see me now and be like, oh, she let herself go. She was just eating. Bitch, I was depressed. My back is getting big because I went through a big depression. What are you talking about? I wasn't eating. Yeah. I went two or three days without eating. It's just my body. It's mm-hmm. how it reacts. It's stress. It's stress. When you're stressed like that, you yeah. will hold on exactly. to that weight. I, re- like, over the past few years have switched. Where mm. now when I'm depressed, I don't eat anything. Mm. And I just get skinnier and skinnier. And so people be like, oh, my God, girl, you look so good. And I'm like, yeah, it's depression. I'm di- and like, is- I'm dying slowly. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is the thing. When I was 140 pounds, everybody was like, wow, you look so good. You look so pretty. I was addicted to ADHD medicine and alcohol. Oh, my girl. diet was Vyvanse, 70 milligrams, and tequila. No, Hennessy. I was a Hennessy drinker back then. That was literally, and then I might have a taco or a pack of ramen noodles. Like, that's all I ate. So, yeah, I look good, but bitch, I'm happy now being a little bit, you know, the weight comes Girl, and goes. Hey, you look yeah. good. But weight comes and goes, and I'm not I'm not worried about it. But we understand that, like, people have to be kind yeah. to themselves. Be kind yes. to Don't be so what you're experiencing. Yourself. I know... Give me six months, it'll come off. Mm-hmm. Give me a minute. But if you experience what I did earlier this year, you would understand, like, okay, I get why things look a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So it's it sucks that you grew up already so self-conscious about Man. how you look. But that, but that also, I will say this, my childhood really turned me, like, created the person that I am today. Mm-hmm. I'm so funny. Because, you were so funny. No, but I'm so funny because <laughs> I got roasted all the time. Like, mm. I was talking to somebody the other day and I was telling them the, the day I realized I was funny, yeah. it was because we was broke as hell. Mm. It was wintertime. My mom went to the, the free coat drive to yeah. get us coats. And school had like, we had just got off a of winter break. We were about to go back. Mm-hmm. My mom comes home with these two coats. She gets my sister this like '90s like uh, puffer coat, yeah. and like even though it was older, you could still finesse that. Like mm-hmm. okay, it's '90s, like mm-hmm. cool. Like this is the 2000s. Like all right, it, it still was. It was passable. Right. My mama got me this chocolate suede pea coat. It had fur around the fucking. I, uh, I can vis- the, envision it. Fur yeah, around yeah. the hood, fur around like the cuffs and the bottom. It had those fucking buttons that looked like horns. Mm. But the problem <laughs> is, it was so it was big, mm-hmm. so it literally went down past my knees, mm. and it was the same color as me. Mm. It was the same color brown. So, it did so nothing, the first yeah. day I went to school, they was like, "There go little bear." 
And for the whole winter, they called me Little Bear because I was walking around in this chocolate coat that was the same color I'm as sorry, me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Kids are so mean, but they funny as hell because Little Bear is crazy. So, so I had to, I had to literally fight for my life yeah. that whole winter. Yeah. So I had to learn how to roast people, <laughs> mm. and so that's why I'm so quick witted because the minute you say something about me, nigga, I already seen about five yeah. things I could tell I could talk yeah. to you about right now. Shut the fuck up, like. <laughs> I have the opposite effect. Y'all bitches put a uh, fat ass pig on my locker. No, they printed didn't. Out, yes, what in the no, mean fat girls? ass cow. They printed out cows and posted they cows. They printed out cows. Printed Portland. out cows, posted cows all over my locker, and they put fat ass cow on it. Oh, shit. And then they took my book bag, and they took it out, and they pissed on it in the boys' bathroom. Are you kidding? No, 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 Cortland, that's a hate crime. That's different. I'm talking about kids making fun it of me. It gets better. <laughs> that's it gets crazy. better. They took a bottle of mustard and sprayed it on me as I was walking by the stairs. Are they you were at the kidding? top of the Why? Yes, because they were horrible people. So you have taken it as <laughs> I'm now funny. I took it as I don't need to be here. Oh my God. <laughs> but now it's like I get it because I laugh at the fact that, like, wow, like I love that you took that and made it powerful for you. And like joke about it because me i was like oh my god like i will one i want to beat the ass but yeah, I, ain't know, I ain't know how to fight back then but now it's like i'm learning i really had to teach myself Man. that i am okay the way that i am and you said no i'm gonna roast you too listen <laughs> but like i will say this it made me very angry mm. but also quick-witted but i was angry mm. i remember the first time i ever got in trouble at school is because i smacked the shit out of this boy because he was fucking with me and he would not stop fucking with me. And I told y'all, I don't like to cuss, mm. right? So I I'm had said working on that. I'm not that good. It's not cussing. No, no, no I love cussing right now. But yeah. when I was when I was younger, I yeah. never wanted to cuss. And so he was fucking with me in class and I had said something and I was like, um, you're going to get me freaking upset. And he he took that freaking and did a whole right thing where it was like freaking, freaking, oh, whatever. Like, oh, you know, you're such a baby, da, 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 whatever. Wow. I, I stood up and smacked the shit out of that really? boy. He fell down to his knees put his hands in his face, looked up to me, looked up at me and was like, you play too much. Mm. Nigga, you play too much. Fuck around and find out. And I'm so glad you told him that. And one thing that I think a lot of, this is why I'm so adamant about not having children right now, because parents have got to check in with their kids, see what's Listen. going on with their kids, feed into their kids, because kids are mean. Okay. They're horrible. No, but you know what? I will say this. Mm -hmm. Even back then, um, I knew the kids that were, getting made, that were making fun of me had terrible lives. Mm. I knew. We was all broke, but they was a different kind of broke. Mm. You know? Like, they had parents that genuinely did not give a fuck about them. So that's all that like, they had. And, and I pitied most of them. Mm. So it was like, you know, like, you can make fun of me all you want to, and yeah, it's going to get under my skin. I'm going to roast you right back. Mm. But I also, I'm not going to let that get me down because at the end of the day, I know why you're so mean. Hurt, hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. You know? Every single time. And it's 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 insane that we now, you know what? This is gonna be cut out. We're gonna talk about this after. Okay. But um <laughs> I people are experienced if you think about the world and that there are what, seven, eight billion people mm -hmm. and everybody is experiencing life at one time. Like in this second, eight billion people are experiencing life. Mm-hmm. What if I, I having that perspective of understanding, like, I don't know what people got going on, because if I look at my life and I'm just one speck yeah. of a person on this entire earth, 
her people, her people. And yes. I can't, I don't, I can't understand what they're dealing with. But that also doesn't mean that you can talk to me any type of way. Thank you. Because, bitch, I will tear your ass up. It doesn't don't excuse be bad behavior. Exactly. But it will allow me to, to bring it down a notch. Yeah. Because I'll be ready to kill, I'll be ready to kill motherfuckers. <laughs> but then I got to remind myself, Mindy, they probably going through some fucked up shit right now. The other night, Mindy and I were out <laughs> together and somebody big bodied me out the way and almost knocked me into somebody's was ready to fight. section. And I literally wanted to beat them up because it's like, you are so disrespectful. But you have taught me <laughs> it's not worth to it. just bring it back. Yeah, it's not worth it. Collect yourself. Because if you would have gone to that fight, night would have been over. <laughs> okay, Devontae would have been pissed because he just ordered drinks. <laughs> <laughs> It would have been time for us to go immediately. We got to put. We would have got put out that bitch. But I have okay? to understand too. Everybody doesn't have awareness. I learned that only twenty percent of people are self aware. Oh no, I feel like it's less than that. It has to be point mm-hmm. five. I do I because like if you that. guys, when you think about driving on the road, people coming into you know a restaurant or a place five minutes before it closes, y'all are not self aware. Yeah, and that's what. We really have to, I, I've, I've learned not to take things personally. It's not about mm-hmm. me. It's always about other people yes. and what and what they're De- that The of. key to life, descend to yourself. Mm. You want to understand the situation, descend to yourself. If you really want to know what the fuck is going on, do not look at it from your perspective alone. Mm. Bird's eye view it, and then you see if you really mm. like are the victim in the situation or not. I love accountability. I do. I have it for myself all the time. I'm not afraid to apologize to people, but I also know when you got me fucked up. Exactly. That's it. Oh, fuck. I wish we had more. Mindy, I'm really glad that you were here. But I do, obviously, the product of the week. I really don't even want to do this because y'all tore me up about that damn laundry detergent last week. Like, I'm embarrassed. Why'd they tell you about it? Because it was $90. Oh, I mean, that is a lot of money considering, like, inflation. I ain't got that yet. But I might have one next week. (laughs) (laughs) So just give me a minute. But one thing that I can talk about is you talked about detachment and, like, detaching yourself. So I'm going to do a book. What book? Five levels of attachment. Okay, I've it's never by heard of it. Miguel. I have it at my house. You want it? Oh, you just it's an give easy it to me. read. Yeah, I've read it. I'll give it to you. Okay, it's yeah. so good. It's literally like 120 pages, and it teaches you the art of detaching okay. from your situation and not, and it, it helps you have the perspective. So I think you guys um, should check that out. I'm going to link it in the description. Five levels of attachment, 120 pages. Put your phone down. Put TikTok down. Put Instagram down. Put all that down. Read that book and tell me it does not change your life. Mm. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you, Cortland. How do you feel? This has been amazing. It's been great. I'm so thankful for you to be here. I'm ready for another shot or another drink. Well, I'll see y'all tomorrow because we'll be back. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Oh, if you thought it was over, it's not because I'm about to play Mindy's new song coming out soon called Move. Y'all, this song right here makes me want to shake my ass. Check it out. Thank y'all for listening. Have a great one. Here we go. How the fuck is you the baddest in the room when I'm standing right here, bitch? Standing right here. Walk around and blink once, miss stunts, keep a thing on the kill switch. Pop, 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 pop. See, bad bitches move. They move. But you must be scared. Got you whole shook. Cunts on the loose. Start the trends and bitches pretend They can't resist giving me all they ends You hit the scene, you think you clean Fuck using soap, wash you up, no machine I'm the originator, if you shackle by a lame I'm the liberator, on my black girl shit I'm an innovator 
And I know you've been a hater Underground so long thought they buried me Cause I'm running circles around the girls I should carry be Ever find a place where I fit up in the industry Oh well, they hate I do it differently 